Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccant. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. Uh, All right, let's kick it off this way. Do you guys watch the news? You know, as needed. No, it's kind of <laughs> hard to avoid. We do do a segment every week called Strange News. So <laughs> do, do. This, yeah, maybe the stuff we're looking at is a little different than what the headlines are talking about. But we, we have to, we, we, we come across those, those as well. Yeah, not a lot of great stuff happening. Well, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I, I think the few companies that own most media in this country or in the world decided a long time ago that you make money off of scaring people. Right. Be afraid, you know? Yeah. Tune in. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know if you guys have seen Mark Maron's latest stand up special on HBO. I have. But, I uh, have. Yeah. I tend to agree with him, I would just say. Yeah. I'm so glad he's getting into comedy. So, uh, <laughs> he's been threatening to for years. Right? Yeah. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's always been on the, on, on the verge. Um, and he'll probably end up hanging out with us later because, uh, per his, Per his earlier special, he likes hanging out with folks like us. Uh, the thing is, a lot of people are divided in the United States, especially these days. Uh, many people who are our age and younger are getting the bulk of their understanding about the world from social media, right? Uh, and people who are a little bit older 
tend to get their information from broadcast, television, or radio. Most of the time, you know, most of the time people can clearly see the difference between those two rough sources or categories of sources. And oftentimes they jibe, you know what I mean? Like uh, the events of September 11th, 2001, when they occurred, uh, it seemed like a lot of media was in lockstep about that reporting, right? You get the same facts. These are commonalities. Even competing news sources were reporting the same things. That is no longer the case. But one commonality does hold true. It is disturbing to watch the news. It seems like every week, I mean, every day, if you look for it, something terrible has happened. The world has ended for someone. And in today's episode, we're talking about a tragic story, an ongoing disaster in a very small Ohio village that a lot of us haven't heard of. And through that, we're going to explore some much larger profoundly disturbing implications. I don't know how this episode is going to go, honestly. I mean, the whole thing from stem to stern, or should I say from locomotive to caboose, is kind of crazy. I don't. Here are the facts. Well, let's begin in Ohio, in a little place called East Palestine. If you look at it online, if you see it written down, it looks like Palestine, yeah, a lot of us are used to seeing that more common than the, the name of this town. Uh, so East Palestine, Ohio, it's a pretty small place. In 2020, the population was estimated to be uh, 4,761. So a pretty small place. Yeah. And candidly, before this February, February 2023, I had never heard of the place. I don't know about like... Did you guys know? Were you up up to date? I have vaguely heard about Youngstown, which is the uh, the biggest city in the that area. I think. Uh, no, I did. I didn't know about this place. It's right on the border of Pennsylvania, there in Ohio, on the eastern side of Ohio. Just about an hour from Pittsburgh, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. As the crow drives, <laughs> Mister Rogers Country. <laughs> Right. And uh, Andy Warhol country. Well, that's where the Andy Warhol Museum is. People love yeah, Pittsburgh. Yeah, it is. Where it they is. They see Yens a lot. I think <laughs> that maybe is uh, Pennsylvania. I think it's a Pittsburgh. It's a, they call themselves burgers. Um, but yeah, it's true. Um, this village, as you uh, correctly identified it, Matt, is uh, was founded in 1828 and uh, spent almost a century as home to uh, attire manufacturing and ceramics kind of industry there. It was, it was kind of a buzzing hub for that. And as we know, a lot of kind of monocultures, or I guess mono economies, um, have a tendency to run into trouble down the line, you know, when things change, globally speaking, you know, uh, in terms of economics, like housing crisis, a lot of smaller towns that were tied to manufacturing things like, you know, drywall or whatever, carpet, um, really had a, had a real tough go of it. Yeah, and this is a scene familiar to countless of us listening today. If you live in a small town, you grew up in one, you spent time in one, you know the score. There's there's a main street, right? And once you get just a little out of the way, there may there are residential neighborhoods, but once you get out there, the surrounding area is pretty rural. 
here in East Palestine, there are beautiful sweeping hills and forests. And if you if you go in by car, which is, you know, to be clear, this is not a a community with its own airport. Uh, If you travel via car, then what you'll see is a lot of rural roads with switchbacks through the hills. You know, we're talking pavement with no lines on the road. It looks like uh, it looks kind of like scars across a hand or uh, tattoos, perhaps. And it's I don't know if this has ever happened to everyone listening, but if you're crossing a state border in the United States and you're not on an interstate, you don't see those big welcome to blah, blah, blah signs. You know, you see a little. It, it looks almost like a uh, <laughs> it looks almost like a real estate side. There's just something stuck in in the ground at about knee level that says, oh, shit, you're in Ohio. Good job. Something like that. Uh, and, you know, Noel, you and I actually saw this pretty frequently many years ago when we filmed a documentary for one of my old shows, Car Stuff. Right. And we we're going through roads just like this yeah i mean like switchbacks you know you'd call them um very very treacherous at times right like like winding their way up a mountainside you know where one false move and you're off into the abyss thankfully uh this part of the country is a little bit more welcoming it's an easier mario kart course Uh, than West Virginia, where we were. But we were in Ohio for a time. And look, other than those man-made distinctions of state lines, this is all a continuous country, right? And if you get to East Palestine, you're going to see a lot of local businesses, a very active series of community centers and churches and so on. And you'll also, I think, feel a relative air of tenacity, You know, this is one of many small towns that continues to exist in a country that often seems to forget them. You know, it's flyover country is the uh, is the phrase that's used often to describe these places. But East Palestine, unlike some small towns, has a lifeline to the larger world via the railroad. Yeah. And Ben, you got to see this firsthand, right? Yeah. Yeah, so off the books, uh, as as you and Noel know, off the books, Matt, I uh, I went to East Palestine because of the story that we're exploring today, and the people there are incredibly kind, incredibly nice. One of the main complaints I heard when I was there was the traffic from all the people showing up. And there weren't a ton, actually, there weren't a ton of people, you know, uh, you may have heard about this town in the news because former U.S. President Donald Trump visited there, several other high muckety-mucks of U.S. politics visited in the past month, all in quick succession because- Not Biden though, right? No, no, Biden went to uh, Ukraine conspicuously absent and i believe trump kind of took the opportunity to you know do his like tossing of the toilet paper to the hurricane victims kind of uh uh, tour uh at a mcdonald's where he claimed to know the menu better than anyone (laughs) well that last part i believe but the uh but the uh yeah you're right you're right um and one of the things that uh former potus trump said 
was that the railroad regulations or lack thereof had nothing to do with him nor his previous administration. That's not true. <laughs> well, yeah, it's provably untrue. But if if you visit the place today, uh, you will see trains rolling through the town still on a regular basis. We're talking seemingly endless lines of cargo containers, coal haulers, the tankers, the uh, cylindrical tankers that hold liquid materials of all sorts. And in this town, on February 3rd, 2023, at around 8.54, 8.55 p.m., one of these trains derailed, went off the tracks. Not every car went off the rails, but a ton of them did. And this was a real chonker of a train. Yeah, it was 150 cars in total. So if you just imagine that huge line just rolling down, you imagine sitting there waiting for 150 cars to go by if you're stopped, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. waiting for it to happen. That's a a good wait. Uh, It's pretty huge. And I mean, look at Ben, is it 9,300 feet long, which is well over a mile. That's almost two miles. Yeah, yeah, it's a long time. You know, don't be a hur- don't be in a hurry at the stoplight. Yeah, and honestly, there aren't there aren't uh, stoplights at the rail crossings I saw, or at least where the derailment occurred. There's just the old ding, 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 and the little uh, what's it called? The little obstacle crossing. that goes down. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the train crossing. Oh my God, I speak English, jeez, <laughs> and and. Uh, and it's easy to move around it. I actually got into this crash site, so I should probably, I don't know, wash my hands. But yeah, this is a this is a huge, huge train car for most people. For the residents of East Palestine, this is a normal event until things go south, right? Uh, there are only, this might surprise people who are not in the rail industry, there are three only three rail employees aboard. And that's actually a bit overstaffing in the opinion of their parent corporation, Norfolk Southern. You got an engineer, you got a conductor. Third third person is a conductor trainee. Stuff goes wrong. Explosions, flames. At least 11 of those derailed cars are carrying hazardous chemicals for Norfolk Southern. And some of those cars are going to go on to burn for two full days. Again, this is a small town. People live close to this railroad line. Uh, like you can, you can see it. So imagine you're there. It's not that late at night. It's not even 9 p.m. And all of a sudden, boom, whoosh. You might be walking somewhere. You might be at your house. You hear something. You open the door. And you can tell the train is no longer running on time. But what sort of stuff's in there? Yeah. Well, it just that has to be a crazy sound because, you know, we've seen footage of where the derailment occurs. And one, because it just takes one of the cars to go off, right? Once the Once one car derails, everything behind it and potentially attached to the front of it can then go off the rails. And so it's like a just a set of these huge booms as these rail cars fall over, carrying all of these liquids and chemicals, as you're saying. And the chem, oh man, the chemicals, oh, all the hits, just horrible things 
that you don't want spilled anywhere in the environment. Uh, there and there's a huge list too. <laughs> who wants to, who wants to tackle it before we get to the one that's uh, the most often reported? I only knew three of these, Ben. Uh, All right, but I can get you started. Let's round robin it. Let's round yeah. robin it. Uh, right, let's do two at a time. You ready? We got butyl acrylate, two ethyl hexyl acrylate, ethylene glycol monobutyl ether, uh, isobutylene, and benzene residue. And combustible liquids, which is a very general term. And the one that's most often reported, chloroethene, street name, vinyl chloride, not a band. Not a limited issue release from Athens. You don't need to be a chemist to get the drift here, folks. This is stuff that should not be in the field. It should not be in the wild in the form that it is. It can be tremendously dangerous to living organisms, counting Earth's least favorite primate, the human being. 100,000 gallons of absolutely like Captain Planet level evil stuff Win everywhere in the town. And as we record today, right now, the smartest people on the planet cannot reliably estimate the long-term consequences of this event. But people knew it was a problem. State officials made the call and the state officials and the emergency crews met with a dilemma. They said, look, this stuff due to... um Due to its various chemical properties, I mean, some of this stuff boils, like enters the atmosphere at something like eight degrees. And so, so the, the powers that be made this decision and they said, we're going to need to make a controlled burn to prevent a catastrophic explosion. And this burn, very creepy especially if you're right over the line in rural Pennsylvania, all of a sudden you see this massive wave of dark, ominous smoke and it spreads like a mushroom cloud. It's very easy to find a picture of this or multiple pictures of, of this cloud. And people in the town and in the area start wondering, ah, is it time to bug out? Should I go, you know, stay with my aunt? Or something for a few weeks. Well, yeah, th this is, we have to put this here. It occurs on February 3rd, right? The derailment, the mm -hmm. night of February mm -hmm. 3rd, the, yep. the materials that spilled were mostly isolated to that rail, that rail line and where they had spilled out. Right. I mean, you imagine large amounts of liquid spreading out from one place. Like if you spilled something on the floor and it, and it widens out. Right. Uh, but it was pretty isolated. The, the story behind that controlled burn is, I think, one of the things we were really going to have to focus on today because most of the liquids were still contained within those rail cars, even if they had flipped over, if they were just laying there. But there was one rail car that was reported to uh, the temperature controls and the pressure controls that are on this thing were failing. And that's the reason, at least that's the official reason why they burned all of it. Right. Yeah, just so. And I I asked when I was there, I asked people about this before <laughs> before the railroad guys ran me off and uh and the cops started following me. Uh the it, and I want to take a moment to say 
look, the, the folks who are working to try to mitigate this sort of stuff, they're not jerks. They're not supervillains. They're regular people. They're very tired. They're very overworked, as most people working in the rail industry are. And they just want to get their stuff done. They just don't want more problems. And right now, there are a lot of problems. This controlled burn, was it the best choice? I mean, we're not the experts. Uh, it does seem like it did prevent a, a larger explosion. But if you go to the derailment site now, you can see a lot of that stuff is still out there. And people are just walking around. Uh, and they're walking around because the evacuation order was rescinded. In the immediate aftermath, everybody in like a one-mile radius was not only ordered to evacuate, but they were told it would be a federal crime. It would be a violation for them to stay. And that order was quickly rescinded. Uh, three other, three states in total initiated emergency protocols, Ohio, Pennsylvania, West Virginia. But, but people were already trying to figure out what specifically led to this incident. And to tell you what specifically led to it, we've got to talk about two weird things. First, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, and then breaks. Like, not at breaks, like actual breaks that you would have on your car. <laughs> imagine, imagine if your car had breaks from the Civil War. Well, how about we uh, pump the brakes uh, and take a quick ad break, and then we'll come back and talk about uh, other kinds of brakes. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, 
So does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. And we're back. Um, so we're talking about something that happens all the time. We're talking about a, a system of infrastructure that is, you know, how... Things are moved still. It's an old system of infrastructure, the rails. Uh, you know, we built the railroads and all that stuff. It was like, you know, what really got America where it uh, is today in terms of being able to move goods around and all of that. And, of course, a lot of this was built off of the back of disenfranchised people. That's neither here nor there. Maybe it is a little bit because uh, they, these rails still often run through communities that are – Maybe a little bit lower income, perhaps, maybe a little more at risk. Um, and usually, I mean, well, maybe not usually, but ideally, things go pretty well. Uh, and then things get from A to, to, to B to C uh, and, you know, commerce soldiers forth. But today we're talking about an example, an extreme example of this, this system going totally awry, literally off the rails. Yeah, so our, our two things. First, let's start with the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Shortly after the derailment, they discovered and published some damning evidence that this train was in trouble well before it hit East Palestine. At 8.12 p.m., so for all of us playing along at home, just uh, just about a half an hour or so before the the disaster, a security camera at a business called Butech Bliss in Salem, Ohio, happened to film this train rolling by. And you can look at the footage now and you can see it's already on fire. One of the wheels due to a wheel bearing, right? One of the wheels is sparking. It's throwing. um it's throwing some firework hands and it looks really cool objectively, but it's not what you want a wheel on a multi-ton vessel to do in any, any situation. This is about 18 miles Northwest of the, uh, of the incident site. Basically the brakes sucked and, you know, we got to give a shout out to, I think one of our collective uh, favorite people, John Stewart. John Stewart has a show called The Problem with John Stewart, which is also a podcast, and he does uh, some pretty excellent interviews with his staff writers. He was talking with a guy named Matt Weaver, who is a legislative director and member of the Railroad Workers United Union. And Matt Weaver, along with uh, several other journalists, points out that these brake systems on trains running in 2023, 
use the same technology from the U.S. Civil War. Not the one that our pal Robert Evans is worried about happening now, the 1800s one. That one. Back when, uh, what's the line? Uh, in the, I'm quoting this podcast. Back when the U.S. Army's recommended method for cleaning silverware was to push it into the dirt and then pull it out. Nice. <laughs> sounds so easy. Matt's, Matt's like, I've been wasting all this money on uh, on soap. You, you guys ever polished silverware? It's horrible. It's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> I, the, the, the silver polish kind of smells good, though. Yeah. I don't know. Speaking of chemicals. Yeah, yeah, sometimes chemicals uh, smell you know, good. You know, you get in Look, situations. It was a different time for me, fellas, okay? Different time. Uh, yeah. These are my gummo days. Oh, boy. So. Just kidding. I'm not a huff, never, nor I have ever been a huffer. <laughs> Are we doing like McCarthy era witch hunts yes, for I huffers? Have not, I am not now, nor have I ever been a huffer. I don't know, man. There, there are certain markers that I, I, I feel like have made me creative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you draw yeah, the ones, you yeah, the Crayola point. ones, the, 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 the non-toxic washable ones that you use to draw beautiful pictures. Well, okay, guys, that's oh, great. Matt's not that's going to do it. All right, let's fine, get back. Fine. Let's get back to these breaks <laughs> because I, I saw that footage just like you guys did. I, it looks mm-hmm. pretty scary. It's a train that clearly has some wheels on fire, and it makes you think. Well, okay, how does the train not have some kind of sensor systems that would allow the three people, as we've learned, that are operating the train to know that it's happening to be able to do something about it? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. So there are a series of, I I guess, safety measures that Norfolk Southern has put in. What we need to know about these is that in this area, they're posted about every 19 miles or so. And for anyone who likes math word problems, this is 19 miles and the maximum speed of this train is something like 50 miles. It's going like 47 miles per hour. Anyway, so these sensors are not on the uh, on the train. They oh. are on the rail. They're stationary, and the train passes by. And these things get a um, they. It's like a temperature check. Yeah. Right. So we'll do the story a little bit out of order. So employees try to stop this train when they get an alert. An alarm rings. The twenty third car has overheated. This bearing is burning at something like 250 degrees Fahrenheit above the outdoor temperature. The ambient temperature is about 10 degrees. And the overheating does trigger an alarm, but it's after multiple sensors have noted it's not at a good temperature. And by the time the alarm rings, it's too late. And these folks try to stop the train, but that bearing, that will bearing that's burning since Salem, it fails and the train can't successfully stop. Uh, The guidelines for this company, Norfolk Southern, do not require train operators to take action of any sort, any mitigating action until wheel bearings reach 170 degrees Fahrenheit above ambient temperature. So in this case, it would be 180 degrees, right? Because it's 10 degrees outside. And the things, the little sensors they have, they're called defect detectors. The street name is hotbox detectors. 
Uh, yeah. and, <laughs> I know, right? And uh, they are they are primarily focused on seeing if something is screwy with signals and axles as these trains pass by. And if you look back at the reporting, there's a pretty great NPR article about this. You can see that the train rolls by multiple defect or hotbox detectors, and each one pings a higher temperature. But it doesn't ever reach 250 until that, the one just before it's, what was it, 18 miles away from East Palestine? Not until it's too late, man. Not until it's too late. Oh, because that's, isn't that why it, derailed in the first place they did get that they they saw those alarms they're like okay we need to stop the train they're stopping the train and you've got some a defective car at this point and that's what causes the derailment yep that's exactly how it how it happens as far as we understand and speaking to people on the ground yes that's their experience too so we were able to confirm at least that people living in the area believe that is the cause, you know, and we have to be careful with stories like this because every time something like this happens and it seems like a cover-up ensues, then you will find no shortage of people saying, that's not the real story. You know, the real story is, right, an improvised explosive or something like that. Of course, much more led to this than just not great breaks. And I think we have to be clear at this point this is not the fault of those three employees. This is not on them. You know, I, I mean, maybe we talk a little bit about the aftermath, the government response, academic response, corporate response, which was pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we're, we're going to get to more about the whole corporate attitude about things like this a little later. But um, the corporate response for this kind of thing is always an interesting calculation to behold, isn't it? Uh, because you have to. Yeah, especially when something makes the news in such a massive way like this and your name is being thrown around, you got to at the very least feign uh, some amount of concern. And, uh, and oh, everything, we're, we're doing everything we can on the ground and trying to figure all this out while also, you know, doing damage control and minimizing, you know, the uh, – the risk, right? In terms of, you know, uh, op optics, you're not doing anything necessarily to actually minimize the risk, but you're downplaying it, let's just say. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And we mentioned the evacuation, short lived as it was. We mentioned the threats that some people on the ground encountered. We did not mention a reporter named Evan Lambert, who was arrested at a press conference. As we record today, those charges are dismissed. So Evan is a free man. Uh, but what we have to also understand is that when you hear about a disaster, an environmental screw-up, and then you hear that any reporter is arrested, I don't know about you guys, but my... My spidey sense tingles. My yeah. defect detectors start going off for sure. <laughs> there uh, it is. Yeah. Guys, I want to give just short timeline. I tried to do this earlier and I, I completely messed up. Uh, just to give timeline of uh, the moment when people were told to leave or they need to leave to when they were told, hey, it's all right to come back. Everything's safe. Come on back. Uh, so February 3rd is the derailment. The bad chemicals start spilling out uh, in between February 3rd and February 6th 
is uh, when people are told to leave. It's like, oh, this is a really bad derailment. It's kind of dangerous. Just before or on February 6th, it was basically everybody needs to get out of town because we've now made the decision to burn these chemicals and it's going to be really dangerous. We need you to leave. So from the third to the sixth, that's when that occurs. Then from the sixth to the eighth is when people are told they could come back. Everything burns on the sixth, on the eighth. All's clear. Come on back. Everything's fine. Like Mm -hmm. that to me is astounding. That does not seem like a long enough time for all that stuff to disperse from the environment. And it's not. Yeah, no, it totally isn't. Let's go to academic responses because chemists, professors, policy wonks, all the, you know what? I'll say it. All the folks like us, your faithful correspondents, all the nerds, the public often ignores, they immediately clocked the long-term dangers involved. And this is when experts come out of the woodwork. You know, there's a guy from the University of Pittsburgh who, as part of his vocation, studies the effects of vinyl chloride and all 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 the horrible stuff that can happen when that is in the environment. They knew. They knew this was bad. They were saying this and it was a little bit ignored. Uh, and the Texas A&M Superfund Research Center found that nine of the 50 chemicals reported by the EPA when the EPA showed up and started looking at the air, nine of those are higher than normal levels. And and the EPA tweeted, because everybody's doing Twitter now, the EPA tweeted, if these levels continue, they may be of health concern, which I know sounds kind of milk toast, but again, let's consider this is the EPA. So this is like a hot bar for them to drop. <laughs> Those are not the sounds of uh, emergency klaxons. Those are uh, uh, air horns indicating the fire bars. There we go. Literal and, fire bars. Yep. And that means that no matter who has infiltrated and compromised the EPA, which is true with many government agencies, the concern was still enough that they went on record for it. Maybe we go to corporate response. I think that's the one a lot of us want to hear. Norfolk Southern, these guys, these dudes. All right. Yeah, I kind of teased it a little bit, but I mean, the specifics are (laughs) pretty, pretty bold. Sign this piece of paper. Here's $1,000. Don't worry about contacting a lawyer. You know what I mean? Like We've um, got your back. Sure, we're the we good do. guys. Uh-huh. Uh huh. They're they're paying out something like six point five million dollars currently, and that sounds like a lot of money for like a single you know lawsuit for one recipient. You know, for something like this. But that's like that's like their budget for toilet paper. You know, for a. I mean, it's it's nothing. It's embarrassing. According to some residents, they were offered $1,000, so a check for $1,000, and then they were required to sign something that said they would not seek any more money after this one payment from Norfolk Southern. Right, right, which is something uh, a couple of other corporations did in the wake of things like Deepwater, in the wake of things like Hurricane Katrina. The idea is to... The idea is candidly to get to folks when they're at their most vulnerable and when they do not have full informed consent of what they are agreeing to. 
Let's also consider that Norfolk Southern just a few months ago, in 2023, uh, stated that they're going to spend $7.5 billion to do a share buyback. This is something that benefits shareholders oh, yeah. of a company. It's like they get a good deal, essentially, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. The money moves, right? And yes, yes, the CEO of Norfolk Southern lives here in our fair metropolis of Atlanta, Georgia. His name is Alan Shaw. He is not going to appear on the show today because uh, he seems kind of busy. Did we reach out? We reached out a little. Okay. <laughs> Matt, did you call him? Not yet, but I will. Matt loves telephones. I really do. <laughs> so, so other there were other corporate responses. I don't know how highly publicized these are. I imagine they are because it's a PR spin. But Amazon and Walmart, who are act, both of whom are active in the area, were sending out stuff. Like if you go now, what you will see is a great emphasis on bottled water, right? Because you can't, I wouldn't personally trust taking a shower or washing your hands or ingesting water from the tap there, you know, off, off mic behind the curtain. When, um, when we were talking about this, I sent some pictures on our group text and you guys saw some pretty nasty creaks in at least one of those pictures, right? Yeah, and one of the things you're seeing online right now quite often is if you just look at the surface of some of those creeks that are passing through the area, it doesn't look that bad. You might see a little discoloration. However, when folks are throwing, let's say, a stone or something heavy into that water and it causes ripples and it causes some of the sediment at the bottom uh, to, to rise up, you see basically bubbles of this multicolored, yeah, as you said, sheen that just covers the entire surface of the water, which makes me think about the the water testing that has been done in that area multiple times. It's pretty much constantly being done at this point by varying agent agencies like FEMA, the EPA, even the CDC has been getting involved. Uh, Department of uh, Health and Human Services is involved. And they're supposedly testing the water. And I know there are rigorous standards for doing that kind of test, but dang, if it doesn't feel like you could maybe dip a tester into the top of that water and it would give you one Ah, thing, or you could go down uh a little deeper and you'd get something else. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That just makes me, that makes me feel nervous and I'm not even drinking the stuff. Like one of those uh, yogurt cups in grocery stores that have fruit at the bottom, you know? You just put the spoon in the top and you're like, what? There are no strawberries here. It's just some vanilla. (laughs) It's just vanilla yogurt. Uh, Look, here's the thing, though. I'm wondering whether this corporate proactive response outside of Norfolk Southern, like the the big uh, dynasties like Walmart and Amazon, I'm wondering if their actions are triggered by grassroots social media attention because we already encountered a little bit of backlash when uh, like uh, some of our fellow conspiracy realists were saying, Hey, you're not talking about this. Why aren't you talking about it? And one thing we want to establish is that if something of this magnitude is occurring and you don't hear from us immediately, it's because we're working on it. It's not because we're ignoring it. And at this point, knock on wood, no one has uh, pulled our leash 
on this show. No one has told us that we can or cannot cover a thing. Can we confirm that? Oh, Matt. Oh yeah, fully. We've never had our leash pulled. And, but to be honest, we, we don't very often get an opportunity with our schedules and everything else going on to, you know, do the boots on the ground thing. But what we do generally is, well, at least, okay. What, what we do is make phone calls. We go online, we reach out to everybody we possibly can to get a clear picture, right? Yeah. We love primary sources, honestly. And unlike many, many similar incidents, this derailment occurred in the heyday of social media, which means numerous folks across the U.S. were asking, with a lot of validity, why mainstream news was spending so much time focused on balloons, focused on UFOs in the uh, Alaskan-Canadian border, instead of these proven dangerous disasters with proven culprits. So we have to ask, what else does this tell us? What is the bigger picture? That's a question we're diving into right after our break. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. 
Here's where it gets crazy. What happened and what is happening and what will happen in East Palestine is far from unique. As a matter of fact, one uh, one person on Instagram chimed in uh, with something like, oh, it's a shame that this derailment gets more attention than the others. I can't remember the quote, uh, but it seemed to have this vibe that we were only going to focus on one thing. Well, yeah, because there was another major chemical spill like a couple of days after. Uh, it, it's a hundred percent. It was, oh Lord, I can't even tell you what it is. I got, I opened links on my phone because we were thinking about doing a strange news about this. And then it was, oh, well maybe we'll do strange news about that other one. And it's basically feeling to us like, oh wow, these chemical spills are happening all the time and infrastructure attacks and all these things where bad stuff's getting into the environment and potentially affecting local residents of name the place USA. Yeah, I like that name the place USA. I I like um we were talking about this in I guess when we we're hanging out off air. The Guardian had that excellent article, Matt. Um I, I think we both read it. I found it on Reddit at least, uh about just how frequent these infrastructure industrial incidents are in the US. I we we know that a lot of stuff is happening beneath the fold, as journalists would say. It doesn't get the same level of attention. The situation in Ohio got a, a, a much larger than average amount of attention, and it should, but everything else needs to be acknowledged. This is one, one tip of a very large iceberg. This is one facet of a very dangerous diamond derailments are not that uncommon in this country collisions fatalities you name it and this should bother people oh yeah ben it was it was la salle that's what it's called right illinois Mm -hmm. It, it happened in january and i remember we had just talked about that and uh it was another chemical uh spill and people were worried about stuff in the air just like they are in ohio right now yeah it was the chemical plant exploded right potassium permanganate or something that's like that. That's what it was. I, they're happening so quickly back to back to back. It's hard for me to know which one I'm even thinking about because it really is you name the small town. You know, and and it's interesting too we talked about this kind of method of of moving um goods and and people as being a, a very legacy part of the history of the United States and I think everyone pretty much knows that but that also means that it's an aging uh and and aged you know infrastructure uh and as we know with things like you know subway tunnels and and old pipes and things like that uh it's oftentimes not first priority to fix things before things go wrong whether it be because of lack of personnel or the cost or whatever so a lot of times th- these things aren't really addressed until uh, there's a there's a there's a big problem. If then, I'm really glad you brought that up because I was thinking about the aviation industry. So when planes fly, when commercial planes fly and military planes, to be honest, there's a, a full on check, right? Problems are proactively addressed. 
maintenance is proactive. That does not seem to be the case with rail. And the U.S. needs the rail system. The U.S. absolutely needs the rail system. And anybody who's acting like railroad unions are bad, they're either willingly misleading you or they're not in full possession of the facts. You know, because railroad workers are called essential workers, that means they get screwed over even more than than most people. And uh, we talked about this on a couple different shows. Uh, the railroad unions attempted to negotiate and they got curtailed. And look, it doesn't matter how you feel politically, the current U.S. administration screwed them over. You know, they don't get sick days at all, right? And so in addition to that, they have burdens placed upon them that most people and most other professions could never, could never imagine. So think about this. Simply put, the United States has fallen victim to a grand conspiracy, and it's not a cool one. There are no ghosts, no aliens, no psychic powers. It's people who have money and they want more money. Private entities have infiltrated and compromised the state. They hold the levers of power. They can make the laws that are meant to govern them. The street name for this is regulatory capture. Uh, Example would be Norfolk Southern. Other railroad companies, they actively lobbied and successfully lobbied the U.S. government to rescind regulations that would require an update on the braking systems. They did it. They did it. They got away with it. And they also have... uh, have exercised that influence to prevent uh, workers' rights for people in the railroad industry. Right now, this is a true story. As we're recording, our pal, codenamed Doc Holliday, just uh, just hipped us to a story on Bloomberg that says Norfolk Southern has been accused of trying to destroy evidence of the Ohio wreck, which honestly I get because they're carting off toxic waste to Michigan. People in Michigan didn't know about this. And Texas. And Texas. And now now it's going to different parts of Ohio. Well, they were going to halt. It's so crazy. I, I started trying to look at the timeline for this thing to understand exactly what's going on. You guys, it is clear that Norfolk Southern's priority was get those things, all the mess that was on the rail, get it out of there so that we can send more trains through on that exact same rail. Well and repair the rail and throw some more rocks on it, right? To make sure it's all stable and running. But it's it's what we talked about in our previous episodes, getting those trains to their destinations on time with all of that stuff that makes our country continue to function in our small towns and villages, that's what the priority is. Keep that going. Oh, yeah. Because not only is it all the stuff that we all need in all of our Walmarts, it's also a giant money valve that just if you turn it off, uh, it's not good for the company because they rely on that pretty much constant flow of goods getting to their destinations. Yeah, and you have to, you know, one one point a lot of people don't consider is that rail is actually the best way to transport a lot of this stuff. You don't want it on U.S. highways 
God forbid, next to someone driving a BMW because they still don't understand turn signals. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, like, I, I don't know. If you're listening and you drive a BMW, we promise you, you're not going to run out of turn signals. You can, you can use them. It'll be okay. You might help prevent an accident. Okay, you know what? BMW is going to hate us saying that. Is my stereotype true? Am I being a jerk? I don't know. I mean, it definitely feels like sometimes people that feel like they have they need to have like flexi type cars uh, aren't the best of drivers. If that's what you're getting at, I would agree with that. Well, maybe they don't know. Maybe it's not in the driver's manual. I mean, every time somebody goes past me, blasts past me in traffic with a, mm-hmm. I just go, "Cool guy, right there. Look at that cool guy." You know, so hard to not roll your eyes at that. To, but there, I'm sure there are plenty of lovely people that are very safe drivers who drive BMWs, you know? Not all, hashtag not all, not BMW, all BMW drivers. drivers. When, I see, when, I see, uh, when I see a car rip-roaring across and then, like, try to do the three, four-lane swerve <laughs> oh into boy. the exit, I'm always like, hey, man, I know you probably don't get along with him, but I'm sure your dad loves you. You should just talk to him. Probably not, though. Honestly, <laughs> that's why that's why they are the way they are. Ah, <laughs> oh, come on! No one is beyond improvement, right? So it's true, but you have to acknowledge that improvement is needed first. And a lot of times, people that get to that level are not capable of doing such. What were we talking about? Yeah, exactly. Oh, right. Sorry. Yeah, disasters. Yeah, uh, well, many, yeah. many that occurred, and more to come. That's the problem. Would the East Palestine derailment have occurred with updated? Breaking technology, it is honestly hard to tell. Uh, But we can say the likelihood of this particular incident would have been much lower. And as we record today, February 27th, 2023, Norfolk Southern continues to pour millions of dollars into political influence. You can find some version of the truth on their website. You can find more accurate versions of the truth on other sites. And please, please, folks, if you have not read that chapter in our book on lobbying, please read it. Please do check it out. Uh, but we can't stop there. We have to ask, what, what about the larger problem of infrastructure in this country? The rail is the spine of the country. Right, The rail has to exist for the country to walk, for it to move. And infrastructure in the U.S. is no longer fully controlled by your elected representatives, which I know is a, is a very frightening thing to say. Am I being hyperbolic? Mm-mm. I don't think so. You don't think so? <sighs> well, I, I, I don't know. Like, you see, these, you see these folks who are acting in bad faith and they want the polls, they want the clicks, they want the et cetera's, and they say some government agency should not exist, right? Quite recently, I think someone was saying, get rid of the Department of Education, get rid of stuff like the Department of Energy. I can't remember who, who that was. But those politicians aren't even the full problem. It's the people who own them. You know, years ago, Matt, Noel, all three of us, we joked about how politicians should have to be like race car drivers. You should have to wear patches on your suit for your sponsorship, right? Mm-hmm. Like if I'm getting a speech about an oil spill from someone, I want to see their Exxon patch if Exxon paid them. If I'm getting a speech about, um, about train derailments, 
I want to see whether they've got a Norfolk Southern patch on their vest. That would be nice. It'd be really cool to Ricky Bobby that whole system. I, <laughs> I, I'd like that. Um, yeah, well, you know, it's weird, guys, because we're seeing regulatory agencies kind of step up because they challenged Norfolk Southern and they said, hey, you're not, if you don't clean this up and you don't do the right things, we're going to go clean it up and we're going to bill you for all the expenses. And that appears to be what's happening right now. Uh, there was an article in ABC News recently titled Ohio Train Derailment Federal Intra-Agency Teams Go Door-to-Door in East Palestine. So it mm-hmm. does appear that uh, FEMA, uh, DHHS, Environmental Protection Agency, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, they're walking around, literally walking around East Palestine and uh, talking to people, testing air quality in homes, testing water sources within homes, and they call it getting situational awareness, um, which is theoretically really good, right? Because if they know what's going on, the all of these individual agencies, they can at least begin to do something about it. If you've got a sector or cluster of homes that are particularly contaminated or something, and at least according to ABC News, these these groups are helping people to both get assistance from their agencies as well as get as assistance from nonprofits that are operating in the area right now. So at least I just have to say, at least I'm feeling like something's going right there. That feels like the right move, doesn't it? It does. The larger issue is that like so many other infrastructure disasters, this is going to disappear from the news cycle. The world is ending for someone every day, so there will be another iteration of that probably within a month at most, you know? And now we have to look at, I don't know, there's one thing I wanted to spend time on here with your excellent point, Matt. Like, okay, I don't know if you guys saw it. I assume assume we all did. I was unaware of something called ABSCAM. And we have to talk about regulatory capture. That is the problem here. Even though the name is very dry, this kind of stuff doesn't have to occur near as frequently when an actual government agency is running the stuff, when the watchmen are not in charge of watching themselves. Abscam, never heard about it until quite recently. Back before your favorite corporations launched a very effective Bernays-style propaganda war and began infiltrating U.S. government, the FBI once held Congress accountable. Like the FBI did a sting on Congress, and it's super messed up because they got people. And uh, lest you think that Abscam is some sort of, uh, you know, fad diet situation, uh, you know, snake oil, <laughs> yeah. uh, which, which would be great. No, it's actually shorthand for uh, Arab scam, which is kind of funny because Abscam and Arab scam is really only saving one syllable. So, I just, But maybe 
saying Arab scam is problematic. I don't know. Anyway, back in the 1970s and 80s, um, some of the OG suits uh, over at the FBI, the MIBs, um, they did a sting on some of America's most powerful lawmakers, like you said, Ben, and it worked thusly. Uh, under a series of proxies, the FBI contacted members of Congress, uh, House and Senate to arrange support for <laughs> private immigration deals. That sounds sketchy. And this essentially allowed foreign actors associated with something called Abdul Enterprises, which was made up. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's sort of Sounds, it doesn't sound like vague. I mean, look, Abdul is just sort of like a stereotypical Middle Eastern name. It sounds, in, in the way this is being used. I mean, it just seems to me to be a little bit of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, semi-xenophobic kind of name. There. What? Just, the FBI is racist? Yeah. No. Uh, so Abdul Enterprises, uh, this would give the ability uh, to freely invest uh, to certain foreign actors. Um, but... The project actually emphasized investing in casinos. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move money because casinos are a great way to move off the bucks money. You know, that's where uh, Breaking Bad messed up. They opened a laundromat. They should have or they opened a car wash. I should have gone with laser tag. I was always on board with laser tag. Laser tag so great. But why is it so expensive? I mean, one day we'll know if our show has ever been successful because we'll be able to go to laser tag. <laughs> That's news. Oh wow! I just realized, Ben, this is all on the FBI website. Yeah, but it's it's. Um, yeah. I guess on their own website, it is more described as, "Hey, this is a sting to try and prevent organized crime and corruption within the halls of Congress." Right, but their emphasis was on foreign actors. The idea was, if you are a crooked member of the legislature, will you take money? from a foreign power to to turn a blind eye to some sketchy stuff like criminal laundering of money. What they found was in, ex in exchange for as little as $50,000 U.S. back in the 70s, so it was way more money than- That still uh, kind of feels a like ton, a lot of money to me. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah, a, ton of, a ton of your representatives, if you live in the United States, a ton of them will play ball. 30 were investigated overall. Uh, most of them either proved innocent or incompetent, we can say. Uh, and look, I think, I think some of them obviously were able to leverage their existing political influence to escape charges. Seven it would people. Seem. <laughs> yeah, seven people yeah. got caught out. They were fish out of water in this Marco Polo game. Uh, six of them were members of the House of Reps. One of them was an actual senator. Why is this important? Why is Abscam important? Because it shows the FBI sting. Like the FBI got their knuckles wrapped for daring to question their political betters. And no one bothered with another operation of this sort at this level. Isn't that interesting, too? Because we think of the FBI as just being able to kind of weave in and out of the circles of power for them to get reprimanded. You know, it had to have been done by somebody real high up. Well, AppScam is a story that maybe it's own episode if we haven't spoiled it yet but i mean think about things like the cia Noel, you did a great show called operation midnight climax that looks into 
how government agencies can function without oversight? And at what point does oversight become corporate influence? I'm unfortunately bereft of solutions here. I'm just seeing there are a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, you can see an insidious pattern occurring in the U.S. in the modern day. I mean, ask yourself why food that is greenlit in this country has ingredients that are banned in every other developed country. And Matt, this is a question uh, you brought up when we were hanging out with our pals on My Mama Told Me, right? What What is it? Uh, brominated? Vegetable, vegetable oil. oil, right? Yeah. Uh, and look, East Palestine is by no means the first example of this. What's happening there is terrible, and people don't fully understand the consequences, right? And what we wanted to show is this is an example of a larger phenomenon, one that has happened, is happening, and in all likelihood, these are the consequences of conspiracies that will continue in the future. Is that too soapoxy? No. Let me think. No. Can we keep it? <laughs> I don't no, because so. no, The Guardian said the U.S. is averaging one chemical accident every two days so far right. in 2023. One chemical accident Every two, one and a half days is really what their calculation was. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. some of them are tiny. Some of them are probably not going to be that big of a deal. Maybe 300 people affected. But uh, some of them are like this one. And but also that's a big deal. It's a huge. It's all a a big deal. It's all a huge deal. And the the scary thing is that, hey, remember, the Earth is an interconnected series of systems So when there's one chemical spill over here, no matter how big or small, and those chemicals get into the water, hey, guess what? That system now gets just a little bit more as a whole. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's really freaking me out, guys. I don't like it. Well, and, and, you know, and if if we're, if if this is what it takes for us to hear about it and for reporting to really kind of call these companies to task to, to a degree, what about the ones that we don't hear about? And how many of those does it take for them to actually do something about that aged infrastructure and those crappy breaks, you know? Mm -hmm. Because like you you said, Ben, I mean, it's a calculation. It's a cost-benefit analysis, um, which as as terrifying as that sounds, that a cost-benefit analysis involves potential harm to humans and their health and potentially uh, their lives and livelihood and just in the environment – you know, what other kind of callous things are happening behind the scenes? What other kind of calculations are we not aware of, you know? When the cost of a parking ticket is less than the cost of paying to park at a parking deck, then you're just looking at cost of business, you know? Like when the when the fine for uh, egregious violation is still saving you money and you're still profiting, you know, a lot of people will say, that's just the way to go, you know? That was the choice Norfolk Southern faced. Either spend a bunch of time, get these these rail cars that are still intact, safely um, evacuated, take all the substances out of them, put them on other train cars and send them away, or onto trucks or whatever they were going to load it onto. Spend all that time and all that money doing that so you could get them out safely or set the whole damn thing on fire. That was their choice. Guess which one was cheaper? Fire. Oh, it's fire? Oh, okay. I was hoping for a, a Shyamalan moment at the end here. But uh, but yeah, that's that's where we're at. And, you know, 
honestly, folks, this is why this is the kind of stuff that is important to us. And it is statistically certain that someone listening today or in the future has encountered an event in their neck of the woods that hasn't been examined, hasn't publicized. We don't know how things work out when the very powerful make a cost-benefit analysis with the, the less powerful on the other side of the equal sign, you know? And that's where we want your help. So we pass the torch to you. Let us know what other things you have seen in this vein. Uh, we try to be easy to find online. That's right. You can find this on the social medias uh, of, of your choosing. We are Conspiracy Stuff on Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook, where we have our Facebook group. Here's where it gets crazy. Uh, Conspiracy Stuff on Instagram and uh, Tickety Talk. If you like to use your phone, call one eight three three STD WYTK. Leave us a message. You've got three minutes. Give us a cool name, nickname, whatever you want it to be. That's great. Just let us know if we can use your message and your voice on one of our listener mail episodes. If you don't want to do any of those things, why not instead send us a good old-fashioned email? We are conspiracy at iheartradio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.